Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. First, there was a dream. Now, there is reality. Who is number one? Africa's reascension is number one. It's not enough for us to show how we were decultured during the diaspora, slavery, and so forth. It's very important for us to understand how we were recultured and reorganized. We are not uncultured simply because we don't have African culture. You see, we have been what? Recultured and rearranged and restructured. You see, and we must understand in depth how that restructuring took place and how it expresses itself in us and the way we relate to each other. You see, because it is this reculturation ultimately that we must do what? We must reconstruct. We must tear down. We must remove outside of ourselves. So it's not enough to say what we have been acting as a people. A high African culture was taken away from our people. But we must come to understand how we have been newly created by another people. And how does that new creation under their power represent itself in our personalities and in our social lives, in the way we think, in the way we behave, in the way we perceive the world, in the way we relate to each other and the whole day. Because it's, it's with that understanding that you design an educational curriculum for African children. The way the system of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work. And they will lose their control. The whites and their offspring understood that if we continue to practice our culture, that's when we always overthrew them anytime they invaded our country. Africa's reascension. Hetepu, Yemhotep, and Damana, and Damanesh, Nangadef, Majwo, Kopango, Kedu, Majwo, Abargani, Salbalta, Anisogoma, Peace, war, war, war. Pan African greetings, family. You've been at Africa's Reascension, and this is your host, Kamal McCasey Tahuvi.
We'll start off the show as usual with an apai or libation which deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods, our African spirit forces, and the forces of those yet born to guide and bless this endeavor. I go, I go, I go. Oh, the Makaman, Yame, Yame, Wa, Treaty of Home, Mawulis, Homo Rome. Amen, Amenet, Bejianza, Asasayanza, Abasunansa, Abasun Poansa, then a Sergebianza, then a Esiketuansa, then a Kofi. On a tiger rain, on a tiger rain, on a tiger rain. On a tikofa inside, on a kumi inside. Quite cool free. I go nadia bin. I took both inside. Chirwepa. I bet top. I will see. Esti. Ajwa. Ajwa. Pena. Abba, Akua, Ya, Abba, Afia, 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 Asar, Ancha Herek segment. Nana no men saman, and saman for abasu of foul, and saw. Abasu, abasu of foul, and saw. Ishrimo yant, Ishrimo ahoven, Ishrimo and chair, Ishrimo and ch. Sikapa. Ishremo and Kwasu. Ishremo and Kwasu, Abasu of Fowl. Yay and Kwasu. As to Odomakuman and Yame and Yame Wa, Tridia Po, Mawulisa, Olorum, Amen, Amenet, Katuakathe. Use me and this form to transmit clear, African centered, theoretical, and practical information so those listening can use it for their own transformation back into the sovereign Africans they once were. May I speak directly to their sumsum, their spirit, their ori, their okra, and okrawa, their spiritual head, and their ab, the heart, which for Kemet was the seat of intelligence. And may these words awaken the long, dormant, and asleep African inside of them. Cool. Achiwarifo, yena, oh. Kum, oborfo, yena, oh. Kum, achiwarifo, yena, oh. Medasi pa, medasi bio, mo pia. Mo ne kasa, medasi nanano. Yo, medasi nanano. The Apai or libation is an ancient practice that is still done to this nanosecond in all rural traditional areas throughout the continent, past, 
present, future, become one, as those of tomorrow look upon what we are doing now, enjoying strength from, and doing the rituals of yesterday. Listening to a pre-recorded broadcast here at Africa's Reascension. Please make sure to check out CafePress.com/Kamal301 for your exclusive Africa's Reascension gear: T-shirts for men and women, mugs, water bottles, etc. Help support the cause of Africa's Reascension. Cafe Press dot com slash Kamau K-A-M-A-U three zero one. We now return to our program. We are reintroducing our Getting to Know series in anticipation of our interview this Sunday, November 19th with Jaja Malik Atenra, who has authored arguably the most important and what should be the most talked about book in our circles of 2018 Gregorian calendar, 
entitled Ma'atism, an Indigenous African Revolutionary Ideology. So, for the next few days, we shall be airing former blog talk shows from Mr. Atten Ra. His show was called Pan-Africanism or Parish. However, since he has left Blog Talk, if you didn't already know of his wonderful show, you cannot find his archives here because Blog Talk has deleted them. So we shall re-air a few of them that we saved to wet your palate for our live Sunday interview with this dedicated race man, dedicated Pan-Africanist, and dedicated African Victory Architect. This show, Jaja Malik Atenra's first blog talk show, was entitled Pan-Africanism is Our Only Solution. Enjoy. general development and of course its uh, future path. Uh, some people think that Pan-Africanism is a response to colonialism. While certainly Pan-Africanism responded to colonialism, we must not think that it's colonialism that brought Pan-Africanism into being. Of course, to see this clearly, we should just look at the general evolutionary processes of all societies on a universal basis. All societies have a tendency to go from a smaller social aggregate to a larger social aggregate, from the family to the tribe, to the clan, to the nation, to the continent. This is an evolutionary process. 
This theory can be seen in living practice if today we were to look at Europe. Europe everywhere speaks of European continental unity. Even though Europe has fought more fratricidal wars than any other continent or all the continents put together, Europe still speaks of European continental unity. Of course, Africa will unify before Europe, but that's not the point of discussion here this evening. The fact that Europe, with all the fratricidal wars she's fought, can speak of continental unity shows this evolutionary process. Africa, like any other society, anywhere in the world, was involved in this same evolutionary process, going from family to tribe to clan to nation. Now, as we have heard from the great ancestor Kwame Ture on Pan-Africanism, I think uh, with if you go to the show page and you look at uh, a much broader definition by the uh, Baba Gawanese Pan-Africanist Usu Kwawana, he states, Pan-Africanism is a body of thought and action shared but not uniform of dramatic flowing from individual groups, masses of people, and occasionally from governments tending to the restoration of freedom and dignity for Africans at home and abroad. It has grown to be the principal means by which Africans seek unity and express a common purpose and are determined to achieve their goals. It is dynamic and not stagnant. It has the ability of transforming itself and accumulating the new pan-Africanist ideological perspectives in light of experience. And I think this broader definition of Pan-Africanism is the deeper understanding. I think for most people who say they're Pan-Africanists or they give you a a, a uh, kind of cliche definition of Pan-Africanism, uh, usually they say it's for the liberation of uh uh, Africa from all forms of oppression and the and the unification of Africa's uh, Africans at home and those abroad. That's kind of like the cliche definition that most people who claim to be Pan-Africanists will give you. But I think that the definition that uh, uh, Baba Kawana has given is a little bit more deeper in perspective in the sense that is telling you that pan-Africanism is is not uniform or dogmatic, meaning that uh, it's dynamic, it's changing, it's not stagnant. It is changing. It is adapting. It adapts to the experiences of African people. And I think this is very important because sometimes we get so caught up into what things were said in the past and how things were done in the past, and we do not try to uh, adjust those things or adapt those things to our current time and place. And that's probably the main reason why Pan-Africanism, at least in my circles and from what I'm hearing around uh, the world, uh, is kind of taking a backstage uh, to a lot of other things uh, uh, and and a lot of other solutions to our problems. 
But before we get into that, I think we need for those who who do not <clears throat> have a a grounded history uh, of Pan Africanism, I think that we should um, at least give a short timeline of um, you know what has happened in the past for us is concerning with Pan African Pan Africanist movement. Now uh, there's uh, a number of individuals who have contributed to uh, the Pan-Africanist movement uh, even before the 1900s uh, as individuals uh, and in their efforts. But I think if we want to start at a, a, a concise point, I think we'll have to look at the first Pan-African Congress uh, that was held uh, at the beginning of the 20th century, and it was organized by uh, the 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 great W. E. B. Du Bois, and it also was attended by 57 delegates from different countries, from 15 different countries. And the principal task uh, of that congress was petitioning the Versailles Peace Conference, which was held in Paris at the time. And um, their demands basically were uh, the Allies uh, administered the former German territories in Africa, in Africa as a condominium on behalf of the Africans who lived there. And also, Africans should take part in governing their countries as fast as their development permits until at some unspecified time in the future, Africa is granted home rule. So, as we can see, there are at the 20th century, beginning of the 20th century, the early 20th century, the first Pan-African Congress, we're beginning to see that leaders are coming together, thinkers are coming together from uh, various parts uh, of, of the world, and they are already talking about basically developing this concept of Africa as a homeland. Then in 1921, we have the second Pan-Africanist conference that comes along. Um, uh, and this was held, uh, there were several sessions. One was in London, Paris, and Brussels. Uh, and it's, it was considered uh, um, to be uh, somewhat radical in the sense where um, there was uh, at the London session uh, resulted in the Declaration to the World, also called the London Manifesto. Uh, and that basically said England, uh, with all her Pax Britannica, of course, her justice established commerce and a certain apparent recognition of native laws and customs, has nevertheless systematically fostered ignorance among the natives has enslaved them and is still enslaving them has usually declined even to try to train black and brown men in self-real government to recognize civilized black folks as civilized or to grant colored colonies their right of self-government government, which is freely given to white men so uh, as we can see once again, um, we have 
African leaders coming together and opposing certain things. So we're going to take a short break right now, and then we'll go from there.
You are listening to a pre-recorded broadcast here at Africa's Reascension. Please make sure to check out cafepress.com slash Kamal301 for your exclusive Africa's Reascension gear. T-shirts for men and women, mugs, water bottles, etc. Help support the cause of Africa's Reascension. Cafe Press dot com slash Kamau K-A-M-A-U three zero one. We now return to our program. One book has started a revolution. Revolution has come. One book is emptying black churches nationwide. One book has black preachers screaming. Com slash Kamau K A M A U three zero one. Join the revolution. We are reintroducing our Getting to Know series in anticipation of our interview this Sunday, November nineteenth, with Jaja Malik Atenra, who has authored arguably the most important and what should be the most talked about book in our circles of 2018 Gregorian calendar, entitled Ma'atism, an Indigenous African Revolutionary Ideology. So, for the next few days, we shall be airing former blog talk shows from Mr. Atten Ra. His show was called Pan-Africanism or Perish. However, since he has left Blog Talk, if you didn't already know of his wonderful show, you cannot find his archives here because Blog Talk has deleted them. So we shall re-air a few of them that we saved to wet your palate for our live Sunday interview with this dedicated race man, dedicated Pan-Africanist, and dedicated African Victory Architect. This show, Jaja Malik Atenra's first blog talk show, was entitled Pan-Africanism is Our Only Solution. Enjoy. Okay, welcome back. Um, we left off at the uh, second Pan-African Congress. Let's go into 1923 with the third uh, Pan-African Congress. This was also held in London and Lisbon. Uh, it was not uh, that well attendant, but one of the principal demands that came out of that conference was for self-rule and defining the relationship between Africa and Europe, as well as mentioning the problems of the diaspora diaspora in a number of ways. Uh, For example, the development of, of Africa for the benefit of Africans and not merely for the profit of Europeans. Home rule, once again, home rule, and responsible governments for British West Africa and British West Indies. The abolition of the pretension of white minority to dominate a black minority in Kenya and Rhodesia, now uh, Zimbabwe, and South Africa, Azania. And it's a suppression of lynching and mob law in the U.S. So as we can see, we have this whole whole room again 
and we're making the connection of what's going on in the U.S. is connected to what's going on in Africa. Uh, 1927, we had the 4th Pan-African Congress. This was held uh, in New York. And some of the resolutions that were adopted were similar to the 3rd Pan-African Congress. Uh, The 5th Pan-African Congress, which was held in Manchester, uh, England, which is probably the most significant of all the uh, different conferences. Uh, there were over 90 delegates present, 26 from all over Africa, um, and included such uh, greats as, uh, of course, Kwame Nkrumah, uh, Jomo Kenyatta, uh, Amy Chuck Harvey, uh, George Padmore, and a number uh, of them attended uh, that Congress. And um, from that, uh, we really saw a conference from that we really saw the um, the, the pan africanist movement really taking off and uh one of the the major resolutions from that uh, conference was the uh, demand for uh making uh, racial demonstration dem- uh, discrimination as and criminal offense and also uh they um, denounce imperialism and capitalism at this conference. So this was probably one of the major ones. Then uh in nineteen seventy four we have the sixth Pan African Congress, which was held in the Republic of Tanzania, uh at the president uh, Julius uh Nareri of Tanzania. And and once again it was it was pretty much well uh, attended. You had Amy Charles Garvey, uh, you had Shirley uh, Du Bois, uh, we have the, the Steam Baba Usi Kuana, uh, and a number of other delegates uh attended this uh this particular Congress in nineteen seventy four. And one of the goals of, of this Congress was uh, of course, African Union, un, unity, uh, African independence, support of the liberation of Southern African people, and establishment uh, of a of a permanent secretariat of the Sixth Pan African Congress to focus on uh, agricultural health, nutrition, research and science, te- technology, communication, political cooperation, and support for the liberation movements in Africa. Okay, and now little do most people know, uh, African people know, there was a seventh Pan-African Congress, although some people do not look at, at, at upon it as uh, a genuine Pan-African Congress because of who sponsored it and who attended it. Uh, so primarily the sponsorship came from uh, Muammar Gaddafi and... Um, and some of the other Arab countries also attended. Um, and uh, so there was a big rift uh, in this. And this occurred in uh, 1994 in Kampala, Uganda. So, and this caused a big rift within the, the, the Pan-Africanist movement, actually. Uh, and I think we still have not recovered uh, from all the infighting uh, and the lack of uh, unity 
that was witnessed uh, and the uh, the pre-organization of this conference and doing this conference. Uh, however, it did uh, address uh, the need to reorganize uh, Pan-African politics for the 21st century. Uh, I think that is important. Uh, they also uh, address uh, uh, they must consolidate or unify uh, and unity for uh, the Pan-Africanist cause. Uh, but for the most part, uh, this particular conference uh, did not um, um, incorporate many of the hardcore Pan-Africanists uh, who had been uh, pushing for Pan-Africanism for decades. Uh, so it's not well known and in some circles it's not looked upon as a genuine Pan-Africanist. So I'm going to play another clip by Professor Mahmoud Al-Khati on uh, Pan-Africanism and the 21st century. Mahmoud, you work deeply in the Pan-African movement. You have for decades. Is it thriving or is it stagnant? And why in the 21st century? Well, it's certainly not thriving. It's, it is stagnant. It, you, you'd be hard-pressed to name an African head of state who would qualify in the sense that we speak of when we talk about Kwame Nkrumah, Patrice Lumumba, uh, Sekotore, uh, Julius Nareri, these people who were the first wave of, of struggle gained African independence. They were Pan-Africanists. The last Pan-African Congress was held in Tanzania in 1974. The country that would most express his Pan-Africanism today when you, is, is um, Ghana, where Du Bois, as you know, died, and where there's a huge cultural center. It's beautiful, where his remains and also his wife, Shirley, are there. So Nkrumah was a practicing Pan-Africanist, and really the greatest one of our time, outside from Du Bois and people like, and you can mentioned up Marcus Garvey too, he had a populist, popular kind of Pan-African movement, but he never visited Africa. He never, you know, deuced Muhammad Ali and, and um, L- London, which turned him on. But basically, uh, you know, he didn't travel like a lot of these guys who've been to Africa. Uh, so I would, I would say African-Americans who are also Pan-Africans, you know, Richard B. Moore, Du Bois, uh, Queen Mother Moore, who down in our time, John Henry, Henry, uh, Henry, uh, John Henry Clark, Yusef Jackson, you know, there's the people on the fringe now. But Paul Robeson was a Pan-African. I mean, so what would you advise for relief of the stagnation? Well, well you got to get together. you got to talk to one another. you got to become less. The thing that's holding us up right now, I believe this, this is kind of an American modern thing. Black people right now who could be doing stuff in this vein are too busy and too smart. <laughs> what does too smart mean? Well, everybody you meet is smart at something, they, they, and they are only interested in that. And they don't make connections to other things, at least the people I'm around. Not many people I'm around. Let me say, let me qualify that because I do know people who concern about Pan-Africanism and so forth. But it's it's really low. Mahmoud, you work deeply in the Pan-African movement. You have for decades. Yeah. Is it thriving or is it stagnant? 
and why in the 21st century? Well, it's certainly not striving. It's, it is stagnant. I mean, we've lost our way in the Pan-African community. But it's it's really low on their scale of priorities. It's not that they don't see the connection between the Pan-Africanist movement and the civil rights movement. <laughs> I mean, they're inextricably interwoven. They, the anti-colonialism movement, and Mandela could say this lesson very better than most people, there's a parallel between what happened in South Africa and what happened in the United States during the civil rights movement. They borrowed from the civil rights movement. The actual uh, the African National Congress borrowed the NAACP's document, the founding document, to found that great movement in South Africa in 1912. Du Bois took a South African with him to the second or third conference of the NAACP in this country, and he went back and helped found the ANC in Africa. And Du Bois, I mean, uh, uh, Mandela gave a lecture on this when he came here to explain to black people what we were feeding off of one another. Stephen Biko's black consciousness movement comes from black America. You know, and so, and you know, we're not just tribes, he says, you know, we got to do what white folks do. You know, white folks are, you know, Dutch and British and French and Jews or whatever they are, uh, uh, but they all agree politically that they're white. And that's what race to me means. It's a political reality. It's not a human or personal reality. Okay, so we have Professor Alcotti's uh, view on Pan-Africanism in the 21st century. Now that goes leading right into our question, is Pan-Africanism the only viable solution for the problems of Africa and African people? Now, there's one key thing that he said. He said when asked what was probably the reason for the stagnation uh, of the Pan-Africanist movement, he said that it was probably due to African people being too busy and too smart. So let's handle deal with the first one. In, uh, especially in, in, in Western culture like America, Europe, we have a problem organizing our time, meaning we don't have time necessarily for the things that benefit us as a people uh, and we have more time for the things uh, uh, who that do not benefit us. Okay? So what uh, the problem that we're having is this organization of time uh, and um, so it's, it's going to be interesting uh, to see uh, what things that we're making as priorities, what things are priorities, because this is this is the problem uh, that we're having, is that we're spending too much time on things that do not benefit us collectively, although the need of African people is probably at its highest we are self-indulging us, uh, ourselves into things uh, that have little, a little impact uh, 
upon the masses of us. So this is going back, like I said, into the organization of the time. Uh, a lot of us have responsibilities. We have families. We have uh, jobs. But there are us, some of us who have very little responsibility. They might not even have a job. And they still do not find a lot of time to uh, give to the Pan-Africanist movement. I'm talking about those who are who claim to be Pan-Africanists. Um, so we have to do a better job in organizing our time. The other thing he said was something that's dear and uh, that I've come to the conclusion that those of us in the so-called Pan-Africanist movement or rather the, the general conscious movement uh, is that we have become too smart. This solution to our problems is quite clear. Is There have been leaders, great leaders that we honor today, who have all agreed on a common solution already uh, to African people's problems. But if you scan uh, dialogue with various people, and there are solutions that they're putting forth, you will see that this is nothing but a mere symptom of the greater problems. So, for example, if the African collective uh, on a whole represents a body that is under attack, that is uh, ill, there are those who will treat the symptoms of the problem but not treat the cause of the problem. So thus, we have people who say, well, education is the solution. We have people to say uh, the religions, getting away from foreign religions is the solutions. Uh, there are people who say the cultures, uh, reclaiming African culture is the solution. We have people to say, reclaiming our African mind, learning, uh, getting uh, knowledge of self uh, is the solution. And we have on and on and on. We have people who say, understanding the law is the solution. We have people who, who are saying, okay, we need to understand all the, the so-called secret organizations that are behind everything, that this is a solution. All of these are just addressing the symptoms of the problem. Uh, and if every African was to do every any one of those solutions, we would still have the same problems. We'll have significant problems because we have not dealt with the cause. So, for example, if everyone became in America, let's just take America, became... Uh, practitioners of the Yoruba uh, spiritual practice, would that necessarily change our conditions at a masses, as a masses? Okay? See, we have to start taking things and, and, and looking at them critically because the stuff that we've been doing has not been working. So I'm an uh, advocate of if you keep doing something over and over again and get the same results, do not expect 
to get a different result if you continue to do the same thing. So this is the thing that this common sense that you have to understand what what I'm talking about when I'm talking about Pan-Africanism as the solution. So if we're doing all of these things and it has not changed or made very little impact upon the overall conditions of the masses of African people on the globe, then we need to change what we are doing. We need to change the tactics. And what I'm saying is this is not something I came up with. I am saying let's go back to the one of the oldest solutions to the problem with, that was put forth by uh, many, many men and women who were far more greater in their understanding and intellect than probably any, any one of us, and that is the solution of Pan-Africanism. You are listening to a pre-recorded broadcast here at Africa's Reascension. Please make sure to check out cafepress.com slash Kamal301 for your exclusive Africa's Reascension gear. T-shirts for men and women, mugs, water bottles, etc. Help support the cause of Africa's Reascension. Cafe Press dot com slash Kamau K A M A U three zero one. We now return to our program. One book has started a revolution. Revolution has come. One book is emptying black churches nationwide. One book has black preachers screaming. www.com slash Kamau K-A-M-A-U 301 Join the revolution We are reintroducing our Getting to Know series in anticipation of our interview this Sunday, November 19th with Jaja Malik Atenra who has authored arguably the most important and what should be the most talked about book in our circles of 2018 Gregorian calendar, entitled Ma'atism, an indigenous African revolutionary ideology. So, for the next few days, we shall be airing former blog talk shows from Mr. Atten Ra. His show was called Pan-Africanism or Perish. However, since he has left Blog Talk, if you didn't already know of his wonderful show, you cannot find his archives here because Blog Talk has deleted them. So we shall re-air a few of them that we saved to wet your palate for our live Sunday interview with this dedicated race man dedicated Pan-Africanist, and dedicated African Victory Architect. This show, Jaja Malik Atenra's first blog talk show, was entitled, Pan-Africanism is Our Only Solution. Enjoy. So this is the problem. So when we have one camp over here who's advocating, uh, well, brother, I remember having a conversation with a brother, and the brother told me, all we need to do is eat healthy foods, okay? Only thing we have to do is eat the all-natural foods and everything will be all right. 
We'll start thinking better. We'll start acting better. And on and on and on. And I said, well, brother, I'm not going to disagree with you, per se. Okay? I'm not going to disagree with you on that. That eating right will make you think better and probably make you feel better and, and a whole lot of other things. But it won't change the conditions. Okay? And this is what we're dealing with. So if you go from one camp to another camp, you'll see everybody is promoting a particular agenda, a particular uh, form of medicine to the African problem, the African sickness. And we'll see that even if you heal one thing over here, you get sicker over on this side. So you have those, and that's evident, for example, you have those who espouse, hey, let's go and, and get the education piece, or let's go and get the money piece. But in doing that, they find out that they uh, create other serious elements in other forms. So uh, we are continually searching uh, for a solution that has already been given to us, that has already been thought out. And it goes back to what uh, Baba Mahmoud al Khati said, is that we're too damn smart for our own selves. It, the solution is simple. We keep saying it. We keep giving it lip service. We keep saying African people need to unite. But then in practice, we go into our own little circles with individuals who think uh, similar or the same that we think. And we do not, in many cases, interact or consolidate or create alliances with other groups who are working towards uh, the goal of liberating African people. See, it's simple. So based on that, I have come to the conclusion not everyone who says that they're a pan-Africanist is a pan-Africanist. Okay? Now, if we was to put my simple criteria to many uh, people, some of these people would not hold up. For example, the first criteria of being a pan-Africanist, you must be an African. African by blood, not by birth, because once you are on the continent, you will find that there are non-African people who are born on the continent. There are Caucasoid people, white people who are born on the continent. There are Indian people who are from India who are born on the continent. There are Arab people who are born on the continent of Africa. They are not African. Based on that logic, then they cannot be pan-Africanists. Okay? And if they were to <clears throat> say that they were a pan-Africanist, as pan-Africanists, we should be suspicious of their motives. Because you will see this. This is kind of what we saw at the uh, 7th Pan-African Congress. You had people who would, uh, for all uh, physical uh, appearances-wise, would be non-Africans who, based on their being uh, born in Africa, they claim to be Africans. So first we need to establish that first criteria. The second criteria would be a belief 
and Pan-Africanism as the solution to African people's problems. And now that's quite simple, a belief in Pan-Africanism. Not other things that treat the, this, the illness, the symptoms of the problem, but believe as Pan-Africanism as the solution to prevent the cause of the problem. And thirdly, committed to achieving the goals of Pan-Africanism by individual efforts and or active participation in a Pan-Africanist organization or via financial support. So if we were to use this as a criteria when we start to look at uh, evaluating who's really for a Pan-Africanist, at least to the people who say they are, because there are people who do not claim to be Pan-Africanists. They're black nationalists. They are promoting their own particular religion, uh, their own particular philosophy, or whatever ideology, and they're not claiming to be Pan-Africanists. But for those of us who are claiming to be Pan-Africanists, we can use this criteria, okay? Because being a Pan-Africanist is not just about of being of African blood, and it's not just about believing as in Pan-Africanism as a goal, as the solution. The third piece, committed to achieving the goal of Pan-Africanism through individual efforts or active participation in a Pan-African organization or via financial support, that is a vital element. You have to have all three because there are people who will claim to be Pan-Africanists, but do nothing. Let me say that again. There are people who will claim to be Pan-Africanists, but will do nothing. So we have to bring their, 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 uh, their belief into question. Right? Because if you say that you are a Christian, then there's probably something you're doing that support your belief that you are a Christian. There's something that you are doing. Or if you are Muslim, there is something that you are doing that supports the belief that you are a Muslim. So if you are stating that you are a Pan-Africanist, there must be something that you are doing that shows that you are a Pan-Africanist. Okay? So let's use that criteria uh, when we evaluate individuals because we have a lot of people who are black like you and me who will not do anything. They will do all the, 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 the call-in on blog talk shows and they'll do all the Facebook uh, posts uh, they have read all the, the, the significant books, but they do not do anything. So this is very important to establish that as a criteria to being a Pan-Africanist. So we not get lost because that's part of the problem in, in the struggle for um, Pan-Africanism is that we got lost in, in that sense, in the sense that 
we had organizations and we allowed individuals to come in and take part in the discussions, the ideological part and the cultural part of it, but they did not have to participate on any level of commitment or give any level of commitment. So that was part of the reason that I think we see this this decrease in the uh, belief in uh, Pan-Africanism. It's not spoken a lot in the circles anymore. Actually, it's not. For the most part, it is not spoken a lot. It is something that puts on a back burner to all these other things that address the symptoms. I mean, we have brothers, big, strong brothers, talking about gardening. I mean, I don't have a problem with that, growing your own food. I mean, it's part of the problem. It's it's addressing a symptom of the problem, but it will not alleviate the cause of the problem. So we need to understand that. We need to not be fearful of that. And so this show and all the subsequent shows will use, will advocate pan-Africanism as the only solution. And remember, if we go back to the definition, pan-Africanism is pan-Africanism is dynamic. It is not dogmatic, and it is not stagnant. Okay, it is an ever-transforming belief, right? That is based, that can be transformed, that is based on our own experience. Okay, so once we understand that, we need to apply that particular definition, expanded definition, to our planning and when we're thinking about uh, the Pan-Africanist movement. It is adaptable. Yeah, it is not stagnant. So, we're going to go with another little break here, and uh, this time we're going to take a look at listen to uh, uh, Baba John, Ancestor John Henry Clark. Gaddafi said something to some Arab students going to study in France. The press quoted as being he was cruel, he was racist, he had no manners. Maybe he didn't say it the best way. But he told me, I'm sending you to France, get an education in engineering, and in the basic sciences, I'm not sending you to France to look for a wife. That's right. If you want a wife, you send to Libya to get one. And I want one thing thoroughly understood. I want you to be good patriots. I want you to be good Arabs. And you cannot produce a good Arab between the legs of a European woman.
the people who will have no split loyalty between their mother's people and their father's people. Right. Right. Concept uh, at a later date, 
but we're bought into the concept uh, of these nation states. Pan-Africanism will dissolve these nation states. So very, this is why today you see very few African leaders who are advocating well, pan-Africanism. Because with that, you will see the basically the the dissolving of the nation state. So if you are president of, say, Cote d'Ivoire, would you advocate uh, pan-Africanism? Because thus, you will most likely not be president of a nation state anymore, and you will not benefit from all the uh, all the 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 things that go with being president, all the looting of the money, all the prestige, all the all the things that go with being president. So few African leaders, uh, if if not all of them, advocate uh, the whole Pan Africanist peace because of this attachment to the nation state. Okay, and this is the first thing that must go. This is in order for you to to get to the, the concept of Pan-Africanism, you would have to uh, look at the whole nation-state piece and understand that it, in and of itself, is a tool of division to keep an African people divided. Finally, he talked about the the inequality of how uh, how uh, Africans in the diaspora are viewed versus African on the continent, and that's something that you know I I have to give it some more thought, honestly, um, because I think it it depends on which place you're coming from in the diaspora. For example, I think. Uh, say if you're coming from like Jamaica uh, and where you're going in Africa I think it's where you're coming from and where you're going in Africa you're taking uh, in a sense like that or if you're looking at say an uh, an African who was born in America uh, uh, how will he be perceived how will he perceive the Africans there so there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I think the bottom line is is that that we have to start viewing all Africans as one of us, and that goes back, and that kind of goes back to getting rid of the whole tribal perspective, and along with the whole nationhood or you know national perspective. We have to deal with the tribal thing because I think that's also something that Pan-Africanism will dissolve, the concept of tribalism and the belief in tribalism will be dissolved. So with all of those things, I think um, once addressed properly and once incorporated in the various Pan-Africanist organizations, because we need, in the Pan-Africanist movement, a blueprint going into the 21st century 
Uh, we are working separately and in most cases and the Pan-Africanist movement is waning and waning. Less and less people are picking up the the mantle and pushing uh, the Pan-Africanism as the solution to our problem. I think that's one of the things we need to do. We need to revitalize the Pan-Africanist movement because a lot of things is tied into the Pan-Africanist movement. Like I say, all those things that I mentioned are tied into the Pan-Africanist movement, but they are not the solution as individual things, and that's what people need to understand. The health thing as a natural health thing, holistic thing, is not the solution in and of itself. The, the gaining education and knowledge itself is not the solution in and of itself. Because in most cases, you find uh, situations where people not even have knowledge itself, but they are able to organize and get things accomplished more than the people who say they have knowledge itself and who have read a thousand books. You know, in many cases, you can take five old women, old women from a back room church in, 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 in Mississippi, and you can get more, they can get more accomplished than some uh, degree toting pan Africanists who are sitting in the room discussing uh, the problems of, of African people. And you see that happening all the time. If, if those old women want to get past a, a brand new Cadillac where well, they, they organize uh, whatever they need to do, raise the money to get past a, a brand new Cadillac, whether it be selling fish dinners or chitlins or whatever it may be. They organize to get it done. But at the same time, we have all these degree-toting Pan-Africanists who are sitting in the room who are debating all the theories and all the historical points in the Pan-Africanist movement. But at the same time, they cannot get anything accomplished in the sense where owning a building, being able to uh, support different programs and things like that. So this is where we're at. We need a certain level of criticism in the Pan-African movement to be able to take us forward in the 21st century. Because if not, we're falling further and further behind. We're letting other groups take over and lead and persuade the masses of people with things that we already know, with ideas that we already know that will not change the conditions of African people. So it is our fault that we're, we're doing this thing. We're taking the back seat to people with organizations with their own agenda. You know? So instead of working for the unification of all African people and Africa, we're looking for a state in America. Black people should have their own couple of states and here. All this illogical stuff. Because if you understand Kakazoa's supremacy and racism, you understand that they're not giving us anything unless we take it. And then when you examine uh, the conditions of, say, 
African people here in America, you know that we are in no condition to oppose the Caucasoid Americans here on any level. So if you just start putting, you know, one plus one together, you realize that your solution is not going to work. Now, you can keep saying it for the next 500 years, but until that dynamic changes, until white people at some point, Caucasoid people at some point, their system become weak and you are able to challenge them, then it's not going to happen. And I don't see it no happening no time soon. But at the same time, you can push for the unification of Africa and have your own homeland and and are more and more realistically able to achieve that than you are able to achieve a separate state under Caucasus supremacy. So this is the illogical stuff that we sometimes we we let play in our head that doesn't make any sense. So this is the stuff we need to understand. Now, the other thing, um, you know, we really have to sit down and as Pan-Africanists and, and work with organizations and try to explain this to them. Because not only are we too smart, we're hard-headed. That we keep trying stuff year after year, year after year, looking at the results become smaller and smaller. Okay? Looking at our numbers become reduced, more reduced, more reduced, and we keep on pushing the same old thing. Keep on pushing until it's just you. So everybody gone. First you had 20 people, then you had 15, then it was only five of you left, now it's only two of you left, and then you find out it's just you left. That's when I think you should come to recollect what you have been doing and what you should have done differently. Because we have opportunities, okay? But we we don't want to do the hard work sometimes. The hard work meaning grassroots organizing. That's the hard work. Okay? We want to go to the conferences, we want to be on TV, we want to be see the highlights of, 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 of it, but we don't want to write the books, we have to throw that out and present the papers, we have to throw all of those things out. But nobody wants seems to want to do the grassroots pan Africanist organizing that is needed. Nobody wants to do that. But that is the most needed thing. The young people, very few of them, if not all of them, know anything about the Pan-Africanist movement. Okay? I mean, even if they're they're somewhat conscious and they come across conscious videotapes, uh, most likely uh, probably are not any Pan-Africanists. I mean, real Pan-Africanists, videotapes that they're learning from. You know, they're learning of all the other things on health and, and these types of things. And these things are good. No one is knocking these things. But these are not 
this is not going to prevent the illnesses to continue to happen. And that's what we need to understand. Now, I could be on this mic screaming and yelling and this and this and this, but I think for the first show, I just wanted to sit back and really just talk to you, explain the position of Pan-Africanism, see if it's making sense to you, remembering that what we've been doing has not been working. And don't think that just because you continue to do it, that something is going to change. This is illogical. You have to change your time. You have to change what you're doing sometimes, what you're thinking sometimes, to be able to bring about the change that you're needed. And this is what this show is offering. It's offering you the ability to question some of the things that you've been doing, some of the things you've been believing in. I've been in the circles. I've seen people who go from this camp to this camp to this camp to this camp. Oh, this organization won for me. Oh, these people here were crazy. Oh, these people here were this. I've seen it all. Okay? Everybody espousing some solution to the problem. In these circles. Like we came up with something. We're, we came up some. The solution has been and will always be pan-Africanism. It hasn't changed since the first pan-African Congress. It hasn't changed. But we have changed. We have gotten smarter. Too smart and too hard-headed. Okay? We could have been had this problem solved. But we allowed the enemy to come in and take out our great leaders. They took out all the ones who was espousing pan-Africanism. That should tell you something right there. They didn't take out the ones who was the, the, was espousing, oh, we need to get uh, some natural foods and eat naturally foods. No, none of, they're still here. They didn't take out the ones that say we need to return to our African traditional religions or spiritual practices. They're still here. Okay? They're still here. They didn't take out the ones that said that we need to understand the law. They're still here. But the Pan-Africanist ones, the Malcolm X, the Kwame Nkrumahs, the uh, Kwame Toure's, the Steve Biko. And on and on and on, all of them will have been subject to some type of neutralization by the enemy. So this is what you need to understand. Pan-Africanism is the trump card. So space is something else. Pan-Africanism, it trumps all these other things. It's the wild card. It's the most powerful card on the table. You can't lose when you advocating pan-Africanism. It trumps the health card. It trumps the spiritual card. It trumps the knowledge of self card. It trumps the law card. It trumps, uh, you know, the 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 mil the militant the, the military card. Like you want to do military action against the enemy. 
It trumps all of those cards. It's because it's part, all of those are part of the Pan-Africanist card. It absorbs all of them and put them under an umbrella, under one umbrella, and consolidates our actions. So now, under the umbrella of Pan-Africanism, you can bring the people who are advocating the health piece together with the people who are advocating the law piece, together with the people who are advocating the educational piece, together with the people who are advocating the, uh, who are advocating the spiritual piece, together with the people who are advocating the, the, the finance, financial piece. You can start to bring them together now. You can bring them together now, and you can begin to uh, work as a collective towards the goal of pan-Africanism. This is what we're missing. This is what we're missing. So as I said, that this was the first show, and it doesn't look like we have any callers. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, end on that note, and we will end on... Um, great Bob Marley song, African uh, Unite. Hope you enjoy Jaja Malik, Atom Ra's blog talk show, Pan-Africanism is Our Only Solution. And please do not forget to tune in with us this Sunday, November 19th at 9 p.m. Eastern as we will interview this paragon of African liberatory thought and introduce to the world his latest book, Ma'atism, an, a- an indigenous African revolutionary ideology again this sunday november 19th at 9 p.m eastern here at africa's reascension abibi fahodier total african liberation yabedi inconim we will be victorious when they worship an image of God assigned to them by another people. The new revolution in Africa that will usher in real independence will start when Africans begin to look at all aspects of their life based upon their spirituality, their culture, and their political interests. The way the system of European control works is that you have to accept 
a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.